This week's episode is dedicated to Mike Henry, husband, father, and friend. This is my heartbeat song and I'm gonna play it Been so long I forgot how to turn it up, 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 up all night long One of the strictest abortion laws in the country takes effect in Texas today. Our creator endowed us with the right to life and yet millions of children lose their right to life every year. Well, I find Governor Abbott's comments disgusting. And I think there's two things. One, I don't know if he is familiar with a menstruating person's body. In fact, I do know that he's not. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. The Satanic Temple says they have a strategy for women to access the abortion drug. Take it as part of a religious expression. This is my heartbeat song and I'm gonna play it. <laughs> that is the sound of a new heartbeat bill in Texas, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about that as we stray further every day. Well, welcome again to Further Every Day, the podcast where we break down cultural issues through the lens of the Christian worldview. But as many lenses have a prismatic effect, we will be sitting in different chairs, different uh, beams of light streaming through that lens. Uh, today, I am joined by Jennifer on my right. I'm having an aneurysm this morning. How are you, Jennifer? I'm doing well, thank you. Excellent. And you'll be sitting in that we're, we're, we're waiting for Josh to come in here. So there's three of us in the room at the moment. You'll be sitting in the chair of? Uh, let's do theology. Excellent. So you'll be sitting in the chair of theology talking about the reason why we believe what we believe, God's spoken word, and the importance of sola scriptura. Uh, and to her right, going around the table, we got Winston. Hello, how are you? Doing all right. You? Pretty good, pretty good. Excellent. So which chair are you going to be sitting in, my good sir? Uh, chair of culture. Excellent. Taking care of the culture and the counterculture that Christians bring to the table with that said you should stick josh with the chair of economics since he's late <laughs> I, I i i want the chair of economics but it would be a great joke it would be a take great it, joke you nerd so uh, yes yes i am nerd uh john john arthur and i'll be sitting in the chair of philosophy for now but i will also take care of the economics until it, 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 it's my pet chair it's it my pet chair because nobody else wants it. It's because nobody else wants it, and I like it so much. So I'll be taking care of philosophy and economics, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll bounce around with politics because things have gotten very political. But first okay. off, we're recording this on uh, the 12th the twelfth of September. So honor with us September 11th in the 20-year, it's the 20-year anniversary of when we lost 3,000-plus people in a terrorist attack how you think that all shook out and 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 whatever but we'll leave to the side just remember that we, we lost a lot of good people that day now it's important to remember that even though we effectively lost the war on terror we spent you know we, we lost three thousand that day we lost how many american lives jennifer according to this ap news story yeah so uh service military members we lost uh through april 2448 
U.S. contractors, we lost 3,846. Um, and then it has... Uh, lists of like afghan military that they've lost which are more than the americans but many many more it's an order speaking of americans today specifically yeah so and and war's a tragic thing it's also very tragic when you win a war and then you just absolutely lose it due to incompetence but again i think we've we've really beat that horse dead Um, i'm i'm tired of talking about afghanistan because there's something that we're missing we're really missing something and this is according to cdc i have a i have a CDC abortions surveillance system FAQs cc.gov uh, and the most recent year that they have up right here is 2018 because the reporting stats are really goofy and by the way they favor low what I mean by that is whatever the statistic is it's likely that it's significantly more than what the statistic given based on the way the industry calculates the baby murdering industry calculates this. And in 2018, the CDC has a claim of 619,000 legally induced abortions and uh, from 49 reporting areas. So if, if you take 319,591, which is the precise number that they give there, and you divide it by 365, you get... Uh, 1697.5 roughly so we'll say 1700 this weekend that's per day 1700 per day per day 365 days right thank you so per day we're we're aborting 1700 americans per day this weekend let that sink in we had an afghanistan war or we lost more than we lost on 9-11 in two days in two days in one weekend Americans think think about this. If you're a if you're a Christian in America, you should be really thinking about abortion. The, the Afghanistan 9/11 are tragedies and they need to be mourned. They, we need to honor the people who gave their lives. And not but and because but would be a re- refutation of what I just said. And we need to also clean up our mess at home. It's so easy to get on Twitter or on Facebook and whine and moan about Biden's incompetence. But what are we doing about abortion in our backyard? And by the way, it, what really should anger people is that it's, per, it's disproportionately black babies. At some point, we need, we'll, we'll do a podcast on Margaret Sanger. And we'll, we'll dig all that out. Uh, I, I'd love to do a feature doc if we could at some point on that. It'd be a really good one. But... We, this heartbeat bill in Texas is a different animal of a different sort. And it's a good step in the right direction. It's not complete, but I want to go ahead and, you know, the, 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 there were some jokes in the, in the, in the intro here, but uh, uh, one of them being AOC, the joke, the, the living joke. And I want to kind of go around and each person kind of take up an opinion on it. But before we do, some interesting, some interesting stuff has developed. I think Jennifer has the story about the satanic temple wittily, quote-unquote, wittily using this, uh, uh, this, this religious exemption clause 
to get abortions. Jennifer, could you read that story for us? Yes. So the Satanic Temple um, membership are stating that abortion is one of their sacraments. And because of that, it cannot be legally restricted. They, um, a lawyer for the group told the FDA that the Satanic Abortion Ritual is a sacrament which surrounds and includes the abortive act. It is designed to combat feelings of guilt, doubt, and shame and to empower the member to assert or reassert power and control over their own mind and body. So a couple problems with that. One, it's not your own mind and body. It's a separate living being with its own independent heartbeat, hence the heartbeat bill. But even more than that, people will come out and say that, you know, the satanic temple, Satanists don't, they don't worship Satan. It's just like, you know, it's like a do whatever you want kind of thing. They're worshiping themselves, which in its most basic form is worshiping Satan. Well, it's what Satan certainly wants you to do, right? And that's the, that's the interesting issue. I want to... I want to just dwell on this for a moment. Winston, what do you think, you know, coming from your chair over there, what would be the proper response from your chair to the issue of satanic worshipers using infant sacrifice as their defense? Not just using it, calling it a sacred it's a sacrament. A, 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 a sacred thing that they're doing. It's blasphemy. This sounds like regular Americans to me. Oh? Yeah. Um, I mean, the... Uh, Enlighten us, edgelord. <laughs> the... Uh, glasses off. Um, he's doing the glasses take off slow. He's, gonna, he's getting serious. Yeah. yeah. No, it's because I didn't sleep, or didn't sleep as much as I should have last night. But... Um, <laughs> No, it's uh there I know there is a uh I I had a lot of or a lot of edgelord friends in high school, most guys do. And one of them read the the book of Satan or whatever and it's in and I, I believe it's related to this, um or at least this satanic temple or whatever they call it. Um and it essentially just says whatever you do is right. Like you Whatever you want to do, that's right. And every man did what was right in his own eyes, mm -hmm. as in numbers, or as in numbers, judges. <laughs> Sorry. Close enough. It's towards the beginning. And Oof. that's what most Americans want to do is just what is right. They, what they perceive to be right and what they perceive to be right is as right as right can be. Um, and I see this as no different than your regular person down the street that says, oh, go, go do your truth. Go do your truth. I will say it's, it's definitely a more intellectually honest approach to abortion than a lot of the arguments that you get mm -hmm. trying to rationalize it in some way. So, and we really should cover some of those arguments today, but from your chair, Jennifer, the chair of theology, trying to, trying to keep it in the chairs today. Um, have we seen this before where we have Satan worshipers, self-proclaimed, using child sacrifice or the, the death of children as a sacrament 
Uh, well, off the top of my head, I think of them um, sacrificing children to Molech, right? Yes. Uh, in the Old Testament. Um, as far as, I mean, that that was a form of Satan worship. That was a, a false god, a demon, devil, whatever you want to call it. As far as in the modern world, I can't think of one. I don't know if you're trying to lead me into another story, no. but uh, Molech is what I think of. Not particularly. Uh, there are still tribes. In fact, the, the, there is a story I consider covering. It is is in Uganda, where they they're they're fighting child sacrifice in Uganda. It, it's the same old sin. There's nothing new under the sun. If I can quote the teacher from Ecclesiastes, <laughs> there is nothing new. And when you come to the philosophy of this, you know what's the purpose and where are we going? Where does this lead long term, and how does this affect? The American psyche. When you use, even if it is tongue in cheek, and and the left has has used their headlines uh, to the tune of, they've come up with a witty, or it's almost it's almost like it, it would have been no different if they said, Satan Temple uses dank new meme to fight the abortion bill. Like that's basically the attitude yeah. that the media has. Once you start invoking a real practice. You legitimize it, even if it's as a joke. You, you, you start to create and perpetuate it. And what we're going to see here is child sacrifice happens today. It happens in the Middle East. It happens in, the, in, in, in Africa. Well, it happens, it happens here, here in the States. And it has a different name in each place. But guess what? The sacrament of abortion is an offering to self. And that's what the Church of Satan and the Satanist Temple, which, by the way, there is a quote-unquote distinction with the difference. Some of them think it's, it's more of a, a meme, and some of them think it's, it's actually worshiping Satan mm-hmm. as, a, as a divine uh, being. And the, the, my point is, is they're both equally fooled. Yeah. They're both equally fooled. One one knows that that Satan's real, and I, I actually pity the Satan Temple who's bringing this up more because they don't realize that they're in a war, and they don't realize that we're fighting a spiritual battle, and they're on the wrong side, just mm-hmm. kind of looking around, laughing, not Thinking realizing. It's funny. I think it's a big joke, and they think they're dying. But so let's let's carry this a step farther. Winston from the from the from the chair of culture. What has the church done wrong in realizing that that or lo, lo, let me ask it this way: the, the church has totally missed the idea that we are in a war. We're in a war zone for souls. And by the way, those Church of Satanists or of Satan and the and the Temple of Satan. Those people are captives in bondage to sin. They don't realize that some of them like being chained to the war machine of Satan, and some of them just don't realize how free they could be in Christ. What has the church done wrong in regards to fighting that culture war, and how can we get back on track? Uh, they've just labeled them as crazies and forgotten about them, and that's it. That's they they don't want to engage them. 
they don't want to make an effort to because they perceive them to be already completely lost. So could you say that perhaps the father of lies has convinced us that it's not our job to save or to at least evangelize these people? Oh, yeah. I was yeah. listening to a Vody Bauckham uh, uh, sermon, and he, and he did a really good job. He said the 11th commandment is be nice. <laughs> and, and it's the millennial 11th commandment. And he said, effectively, Satan, if, if I can distill this, he said it very well. He said, if you, you sum it up, Satan has told the church that her job to win souls is not nice. And we should not be about our father's business, focusing on these broken people who are, by the way, broken, just like you and I. How can we start to change our church culture? What are some next steps? Because we're, we're in this position, I think church is finally waking up. We're, we're finally starting to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've really lost the culture where we've lost the political war. God help us. What did we do? You ignored a dumpster fire, and now the whole estate's burned down. Um, what started as a little spark is absolutely ginormous now because there's been plenty of fuel, and it doesn't take more than one person to add to it. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the big things that the church, has, the church has missed. And I think the church has missed it because they refuse to or deal with difficult questions, apologetics and what we do. Um, I was at the, uh, why are you apologizing for Christ okay. or, or can you define apologetics for me? Yes. Apologetics is to give a defense of, it comes from the Greek word epilogia. And, and who used that word? I believe it was Paul. Was it not? I think it was it's in first Peter. 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 Okay. It's Peter. Peter. It's okay. Peter. He said, be always be ready mm, to give a defense yes. or an apologia for why you believe what you believe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, at uh i i guess i won't name i it was a bible conference i went to a bible conference and uh to my surprise we didn't really do anything with the bible um this is my first time going and oops uh, yeah and uh in my in one of the bible classes that i went to the um the teacher there i mean we didn't open the bible at all in that class um, it was discussion on how to study the Bible, uh, or not, sorry, how to lead a Bible study, how to start a Bible study. It was a lot of practical stuff, which was nice and all, but still it didn't have to do with the Bible. And, uh, one guy, uh, an older gentleman there said he was doing the truth project and a lot of people gasped. I was like, what did, did he say a bad word or something? And, so what was there? So for those who don't know, the Truth Project is a product from Focus on the Family. It is a twelve-step worldview programs sort of thing. Realize that you've missed the mark and in, in your church, and and here's how we start to understand the worldview. Why was the Truth Project so controversial? They uh, they're like, wow, that's that's a huge commitment. That's a lot of work you have to do. Is, are, are you going to be able to do that? For the Truth Project? It, it's, you just you watch videos and then you talk about it. Yeah. Or, and I mean, the, the videos are, are very in-depth. It's 
it's information that you really have to think about, but it's not difficult. I know. And I was Those like, guys are lame. I was I'm like, yeah, I was like this. <laughs> so there's the issue, the lack of intellectual rigor among the church, because we've allowed abortion to fester. We're between 60 and 70 million abortions, ping pong, how you count it. it it's probably could be actually a lot more again, Planned Parenthood and and their ilk are very, very careful how they stack the books so that they have as many quote-unquote services per abortion in there, and sometimes they leave out the abortion. But it, it gets really complicated. Mm -hmm. It gets really complicated how they keep their books. And, and they, they complicate it, it intentionally. It, exactly, to obfuscate. Um, but so I want to move over. Before we talk about the heartbeat bill and the ramifications, just we've really come up on an on a interesting hard wall. And we're now at this place where you can kill an infant after it has creased the edge or even come out of the cervix. I mean, you, you, you can stab it right in the head and kill it uh, effectively, ask Ralph Northam. Yeah. So theologically, I'm going to pose the same question to you, Jennifer. Where has the church gone wrong in this separation of church and state mentality where we cannot talk about politics is is abortion politics or is it religious or is it moral i think it's all three i think what winston hit on is really important on why we've lost the culture but i think what you brought up earlier about spiritual warfare is what the church needs to do now because we can go and we can get involved in our local elections and we can do all these things in our government and and you know even have intellectual conversations with people and get them to to sway to our side but at the end of the day we are in a spiritual battle and i think one of the problems that we are facing as the church is one not realizing that we're in a spiritual battle and two even when somebody brings up that fact the way that they prescribe to combat it is with these like gimmicks and tricks and you know, a Bible study where you don't open the Bible and and what we need to fight the spiritual battle is the sharp two-edged sword of the word of God. And and that's, I mean, that's it. That's put on the whole armor of God. It's faith. It's the word. It's, um, you know, I can't th think of the whole list off the top of my head, but it's it's not, it's not. Knowledge of the word, how it, it, full knowledge of the word is all you really, really need. Yeah. Uh, I would say having a knowledge uh, in defense of the word, saying mm -hmm. that, you know, being able to defend the historicity of Christ, the canon of scripture, th those mm -hmm. things are great to be able to defend. And, 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 I, and I've led Bible studies on these things, and mm -hmm. I, I really believe in, in, in the importance of this. Mm -hmm. However, if you just stick to the Bible, you will get most of what you need right. to be able to defend against the culture. Right. It's it's like a, a a podcast like this where we do focus in on apologetics is a very important tool in your belt. But you can't study apologetics to the exclusion of studying the actual word of God. Amen. Amen. And that's and that's what I think the church has really done is we've mixed things like, for example, using CRT as a lens to view the Bible. I, I, I said this before. No, no, no. The Bible is a lens to view CRT through. <laughs> that, 
The Bible's the lens. You put anything in front of the Bible as your lens, you will get a skewed view. The Bible will help us see clearly what is what is unjust and just in this world. And if there is a analytic tool that works well with that, then we can go from there. But the Bible flatly rejects cultural Marxism. And uh, again, another topic for another time. I don't want to get too far from abortion. You, you look like you have something to say there, Winston. Oh, um, I was thinking about it. Uh, I don't recall what Jennifer said that made me think about it, but it was something that she said that made me think about it. Um, the, uh, but the, uh, the church, I think, has largely adopted uh, a caste system view of society. Um, these, when we'll put the symbol uh, of Satan, problem children, and uh, XYZ are in the untouchables. We don't we don't talk to them. We don't associate with them, um, because they're bad and they're always going to be bad, and we've thrust that label upon them, whether they're deserving of it or not. Um, then you know we have the suitors, the commoners, the peasants, the servants, your typical church member, um, the vaisha, merchants, landowners, the business people that the church wants to reach for funding. Um, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Kshatriya. Um, you are looking at a very nice link. Where is that from? Uh, the pyramid diagram yes. of church oh. spending and, and efforts. <laughs> yes, yes. It's the Hindu caste system pyramid diagram. <laughs> there you and, go. Uh, and then the Brahmin, the priest, the academics, where most pastors have decided to thrust themselves to because they feel they are belonging of that position. I guess the unborn babies would be at the bottom too. Yes. We don't need to fight for them. Well, yeah, they they well first they can't even pay tithes, so. Yeah. Oh man, if you can't pay tithes then you're useless. Of course, what did what did James say about uh eschewing the rich or, or the poor for the rich rather. Mm -hmm. So, with that said, we are now joined by the Josh. Hello, so good sir. How are you doing? Doing Hello. well. You? Mr. How you doing, good sir? I'm yes, doing sir. good. I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. You're late, but you brought donuts. So we'll I did bring you. donuts. And it's funny. I told you that the reason I was going to be late was because I needed to get some sleep. And then I got hit up this morning from work about a shipment <laughs> that was getting delivered. And so I it basically defeated the purpose. It's no God's sleep. judgment on you for not being in here early. There is there is, there is hidden sin in your life. Wait, where the donut uh, ship leaves? So <laughs> you... Yes. Okay, you're forgiven. You have landed flatly into the chair of politics. Uh, and we're, we're going to come around, but we've been discussing... Uh, er everything in the show thread but we've been looking at how the church has adopted I'm going to call it the 12th commandment because it talked about Vodibacham's 11th commandment be nice you know it, which is not in the bible but the 12th commandment if you will is separation of church and state we've looked at how we're losing more people to abortion in a weekend than we did on September 11th. It's about 1,700 infants aborted every day. So 3,400 this weekend is how many we'll lose on this commemoration of September 11th. What? Where do we get the separation of church and state as a, as a doctrine? And, and politically, does the church have a responsibility to act in a moral way? Traditionally, what I've heard from people who hold this standpoint of separation of church and state is 
at least from the people who use the Bible to try and justify it, which is hilarious. You can't do it. The people who do this will go to that verse where it says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And they'll, they'll use this verse to say, oh, look, separation of church and state. Yeah, that doesn't, that's not what he was saying, Daniel. No, no, that, that's not what he was saying. I'm sorry. I, I apologize to anyone who believes that that was not what he was saying. It's not a small detail, Daniel. That is not what Christ was saying. Uh, and in fact, if you want to be very blunt, I will go back to Genesis. I think where you can find a lot of answers for how God views abortion and how God views separation of church and state goes to back to Genesis and goes back to creation. I specifically think when he said, be fruitful and multiply, and he was talking to the descendants of Noah to go do this after the post-flood event. When he did this, it was with the purpose of it was supposed to be miniature representations of God and people who are represent, more representatives of God in the world. So they were supposed to, so by that implication, there were supposed to be people who were influencing the world with God's word and with his teachings. Which means that by the very nature of creation, there was never supposed to be a separation of church and state. There was supposed to be a, a, an active, uh, I'm, I'm trying to find the word, I, I don't want to use assimilation, but there was supposed to be a... There was a religious moral, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dump the word religious, there's a moral component to government because God was handing over the reins. If you look at the Bible, you can clearly see God had a personal relationship with Adam and Eve. Then God was the theocrat over pre-flood, and you saw how that ended. Then he handed over the keys to the kids and said, here, you are now in charge of corporal punishment over capital punishment, all of these different types of punishment. God was directly translating that over to man. Yes, and also, if I could add, on the topic of abortion as a whole, Abortion is a unique sin to me. And I think it, it's infanticide. a very... It, it's, it's It's homicide, essentially. It's murder. It's infanticide. It, it, it's yeah. infanticide. Evil. And I think that is a very dangerous one because go back to when, going back to Genesis, this is where I was going from. You can find the answers to how God views both these in Genesis. When you look at the reason why God flooded the world and he had to start and he started anew, I think the primary reason was that murder was so rampant at that time. Like it was just a casual occurrence that other people were murdering other people. And mind you, there was it, mind you, this is at a time when everybody was really wicked and the only people that were counted as righteous was Noah and his family and they were the only people who were spared. So imagine if there were the everybody on earth was wicked and there was murder occurring, but God said, no, but you're murdering people who are made in my image. So therefore I'm going to destroy the whole world. Now imagine what he does to the, imagine how he would handle people who are murdering innocent people or who are murdering his righteous people. Those who have no defense. And Those who have done nothing no defense. in this world. Now imagine how he handles that and how he thinks about that. You look at Christ and his love for the young and the innocent, 
it's 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 detrimental when we think about how many kids that we've killed. And by the way, I'm I'm just going to come at this from the philosophy chair and move here to myself real quick. Philosophy chair and economics. While I'm hanging out here. Abortion is a a really good business, and that's why they're fighting. If I can borrow from Trump, that's why they're fighting like hell to keep this sacrament. And you're now seeing strange bedfellows of the atheistic sort jump in and say, well, hey, it's a satanic sacrament to abort babies. And let's not be coy about this. When you do a second or third trimester abortion, Nurse Jennifer, what are we doing to A, the baby, and B, the mom in a lot of cases? Well, you're just straight up killing an actual baby. Like, I mean, you know, pe- people talk about, oh, it's a clump of cells, but like, I have held in my hands, like, an actual, like, 20-week baby. It, it's just a smaller version of a baby. They're beautiful babies. They're whole humans. <laughs> and, and, and at six weeks, and I don't want to j- jump ahead because we're going to talk about the six-week cutoff thing in a little bit. They are babies. And when you do a third trimester abortion, you have to crank open the cervix with this, with this glorified vice grip. It's a backwards vice grip. You clamp open the cervix, you go in there, and you take a pair of forceps and you cut each limb off. And you extract it. And then you get, you get in there and you dig underneath the, the, the scan. And as you're doing this, what happens to a lot of women's uh, uterus? We, we, we prefer Damage, it. scar tissue, just bleeding and a lot of, trauma. A, a lot of abortion, abortuaries have women coming out of there where they are bleeding and they die. It's not a simple procedure. It is not a platonic thing when we kill an infant. So many of these infants are killed when they are bigger than the preemies that we spend tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to save because their life is immeasurably, immensely valuable. What did you say the number was on the amount of abortions? About 1,700 a day. 1,700 a day. And that's in 2018 2018 staff. And that's in the United States? Just in the United States. States. Just in the United States? Think about that for a second. 1,700 a day. That's what we were... I really want the listener to consider that number for a second. This is something that is normative. This is something that is very normal in America. Something that's applauded. Yeah, it's something that... Shout it. it shout that you... And, and women don't know. It's not... My point is it's not taken seriously. Mm-hmm. This thing is not a, a serious matter. It's a, oh, you know what? It's just the way we do things. Mm-hmm. 90% of... Or, or more. I, I don't have a good stat. But most women... Do not know. And, and if you give to preborn, by the way, give to preborn, you know, look up preborn where, where, where they will give a, a, a free ultrasound. 90 something percent of those women choose life when they see the baby because they realize, my God, that is a child. What was I going to do? And, and it's about, and, and the church has been silent in education. So you, 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 you look at the economy of it, but you look at the philosophy of it. You, you, you look at where did Planned Parenthood come from? And again, I, I, we've been teasing this for a while. We'll, we'll, we'll do a full history of abortion segment at some point. Well, 
I, I think that the church has has by and large fallen into a trap of of also hating children. Not not necessarily to the point of throw them in the nursery and don't them. hear from them. Yeah, well, but they're, they're but even even the church views children by and large as a burden. Yes, and, and so again, I've said this before: children are not the consequence of a pleasurable experience. The pleasurable experience is a consequence of procreation. That is, that is what sex is. Sex is the coming together of two individuals to create a child. And, and, and I'm, I'm sorry if you had kids in the room, uh, just suffice it to say, we'll stop there. But that is what that relationship is. And, 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 and the enjoyment of, of your spouse yeah. is, a, is a beautiful thing, but it was primarily designed for creation of a child. So we've talked about the economics. We'll talk about the philosophy here while I'm sitting in two chairs. You look at how abortion is set up. It's prim- it's, it's, this should enrage people. It is a eugenics program primarily targeted at undesirable whites and melanated people. And you look at the founder, Margaret Sanger. We don't have the time to go through all of this, but it is a very evil and, I, and dare I say, devilish thing. It is aimed at creating a wider race. That was what Planned Parenthood was all about. And they came out in 2002, 2006 and said, yeah, well, we have to admit it. And then 2018, they totally backpedaled and said, you know what? Sorry, we said that way back 20 years ago. We realized that Margaret Sanger was a horrible, horrible racist who wanted to remove. And by the way, she successfully killed 20 million melanated babies through her legacy. Uh, they said, oh, it's not racist. No, no, I'm sorry. You, you've killed more black babies than well, you have white proportionately. Didn't you know that it's actually the opposite of racist to it's kill more black babies? It's empowerment. It's black empowerment, which well, is exactly what Margaret Sanger said she'd sell it as. It's your fault, oh white man, that these black mothers, <clears throat> excuse me, these black mothers are so disadvantaged. I think she has some green beans. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's an inside joke. Uh, I, that's saying, a, I need to get the bucket. <laughs> that's a bad. That's a bad inside joke. Uh, got the got the cough there. So, with that said, that's the philosophical element. I want to move on for a moment to specifically what the heartbeat bill is. The heartbeat bill in Texas says six weeks is approximately when a fetal heartbeat can be heard, and that. Uh, uh, excellently edited intro that you guys heard uh done by me uh you, you might have heard the infant's heartbeat okay maybe it wasn't excellent but the the child's heartbeat was the six at six weeks you have a fully formed heart the argument that this is a clump of cells like cancer with its own DNA. And, and, and by the way, it has its own DNA is a fine argument, but it's not the argument. It doesn't matter because cancer has its own DNA. It's a mutated DNA. This child not only has his or her own DNA, but we fight like, we fight like hell to keep that kid alive if the mom wants it. When, when does someone else's opinion bestow innate value. So I want to go to the chair culture. 
and say, look, six weeks, you, you heard AOC talking about, this is discussing about menstruating persons not being able to know a, 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 until, you know, six weeks is, is, is a missed period. Uh, they don't know if it's, uh, uh, excuse me, missed menstrual cycle. I need to be politically correct. Um, <laughs> culturally, how is it a problem to say, if we hear the heartbeat, it's too late? What, where, where is our culture that, that we're, we're so oversexed that we can't even be on the pill or we can't use protection or we can't, I don't know, go to heterosexual monogamy? Some way you're insulting somebody or being racist there. Um, uh, oh, I know I'm being racist. Yeah, you're, it's racist if it offends you, so I'm sorry. I'm constantly racist to someone. The uh, something you said there should cancel you or something. Um, uh, I can't, can can you repeat the question though? So culturally, we're at this point where it's inconceivable that six weeks is too long to get a. And pregnancy tests cost how much? I'm not advocating abortion here. I'm just saying they're screaming that they have to pee on a piece of tape from the dollar store where you get, you know, 200 for, for, for a dollar and, and, and they can't take a, take a morning after pill. I mean, and, and that, that is where, you know, if you want to draw a political line, I mean, I think a heartbeat is incredibly lenient. It's allowing murder for six weeks, but that is not acceptable. Culturally, we're at a place where sexually, we are so sexually active, we're, we're like squirrels. How, how does the church, and I'm not talking about purity culture because we saw what that did. How do we start to fix this? A, with those who've already made the mistake, and B, going forward, how do we provide a culture where where we're no longer constantly oversexed. We need to. We, me and my sister actually had this discussion after going to the museum because uh, I was complaining about how uh, how sometimes, like at at the museum or at my campus, I mean anywhere in public, sometimes I have to do the look in the sky dance for however long because it's absolutely ridiculous what some people wear, um, both guys and girls. Uh, and by and large, the church is completely fine with it. They have no issue with it. Um, my sister's telling me at a church organization, um, the, uh, the worship leader there, crop top miniskirt. Um, so if we look like the world and we tell the world that being modest is important, I'm not talking about the jean, the jean dresses. <laughs> I'm not going there. But, but I mean, show, showing the figure beyond a certain, the human figure beyond a certain point. If we, if, if we're going to hold a standard, if we don't fit that standard, it, it's not going to, it's not going to transfer off culturally, is it? Uh, yeah. And another thing is that has signaled to the younger guys that hey, it's okay to view that as attractive. It's okay to like that. The uh, and there was a complete uh. It was like stepping through a time machine, a time machine, looking at this young couple, girl, long dress, uh, long hair, 
headband, putting the hair back and all that. I presume very little makeup. I don't I don't know how to tell these things. Um but uh just a very lovely couple, very young. And I was like, "What the heck?" She like cuz she st she stuck out like a sore thumb. She was completely different than everybody around there. And I was like, "That's a lovely couple right." When when God says holy, Winston, what does the word holy mean? To be set apart. Hmm. Uh, again, I'm not advocating jean dresses and, and, and bonnets, but maybe, maybe we should be careful how we, we portray ourselves. But then with abortion, let's go a step further. When we have someone who has an unexpected pregnancy, okay, we've, we've failed this, this young lady in training and prepping her for the world, and she's been taken advantage of by a guy, or God forbid she's been raped. What is the church's response, and what should it be? We failed her in discipleship. Let's up the ante and fail her in mothership. And then kick her out of the church. Yep. Out on the curb. You didn't listen to the teachings that we didn't give you. Bye-bye. Um, which I think is extremely... It's without intellectual rigor. Um there is, there it's is, stupid. It's freaking stupid. That's what Winston just said. It's, but he's nicer than me. <laughs> it's not okay. You may make some people in the congregation slightly uh, uncomfortable because, because of purity culture, by and large, in my opinion. But it's much more beneficial to the child and to the mother to be supporting them through a church. This is where they should be and should have been and should be being discipled. But they're not. And that is the problem of the mother and the young child, not the church. The church is, washes their hands to everything. Once again, Satan has told us that our responsibility is not our own. And that's where we fail. Moving over to the chair of theology. Six weeks, to me, seems like a lot of time if you're sexually active you could wait for a week two weeks and pee on a piece of tape and see if that you know if, if that holds where we we just talked about the problem of the church not treating the issue correctly with people in our own walls what what is the theological restoration for someone you know restoration doctrine for someone who's who has had a child out of wedlock theologically how should we treat that individual uh we should treat them the same way we treat anyone else who commits a sin which by the way is every single person on the planet that's and something in the pew. yeah that is something that they did it's in the past we need to have an expectation of repentance for that person but that's not going to make the child go away. In fact, we don't want the child to go away. We want the child in church. So if somebody makes that mistake, then we need to show them how to move forward. It's not, a, it's not about fixing the mistake because the mistake has been made. That, there's, there is no going back and changing what happened. And, but and, moving and, and to forward, be clear, the mistake is not the child. Yes. The mistake was the act. Yes. And the child is the product of that act. Keep going. Right. But now, 
in the present moment, we need to make it very clear that there is nothing in the past that can stop you from serving God in the present. There's nothing that you have done. Well, I'm, I'm excluding things that, that would result in the death penalty. But, but outside of things that deserve the death penalty, there's nothing that you have done that can exclude you from being a huge benefit to the kingdom of God and being a tool in the body. Yes. And we need to treat people like that. Even on death row, I would argue that you could still be a huge benefit to the kingdom of God. Absolutely. But yes, I, I, and you're absolutely correct. So <sighs> moving on to chair of politics... Has the church, this is going to be a weird one for you, Josh, but has the church failed to provide the solution for crisis pregnancies? And how should we combat that politically? Should should the church be in the business of crisis pregnancy? And maybe would that change our politics? If the church was providing a solution for that problem? So <clears throat> I think it's important to understand this. And I'm not saying this is a justification for inactivity. I'm not saying this is a justification for standing on the sidelines or not being active in discipleship or encouraging mothers to have their kids. But I will say this. The world does not want our answer. I agree. The but world, if we never it, offered it? But, but I'll say this. The Lord tells us it's not going to get better the closer it gets to when he's coming. And every single day is getting closer to that moment. And every single day, it is going to get worse. Now, mind you, it's like what I said. It's not to have a defeatist mentality in this matter, but I think it's really important to remember that the thing is, we have an answer. And, and, and so we have an answer. But are we providing the answer is the, be is the better question. That's the question. And, th and that's the better question. But I will say that even if we did provide the answer, the world is not going to like our answer. Yeah, and that's, I, a, that's something to I, consider when you provide the answer. I think but, what Josh is, is setting up is that we need to have realistic expectations. No, not, not necessarily realistic. I don't think – actually, I don't I, – I think that we need to have unrealistic expectations. Amen. The, Amen. Because the sweeter the victory, yeah. the harder the hill won. When, I know that's when not that, what you meant, but – yeah. But but I know what you're saying. What I'm trying to say, though, is I think we need to have unrealistic expectations in the sense of we need to proselytize without the fear of someone saying, oh, but that offends me. I, I mean, I told you guys the story of what happened with this person. I'm not going to say anybody, any names, any person, but just know that I, I was, I was t threatened with, with action when, by a friend. But by, by someone that used to be a friend. Whenever I was trying to hold someone accountable, and, and I, you can talk to anybody that was in this room, it was not the next logical step. Let me put it that way. So hostility towards Christians is at an all-time high, and it's not going to get better. It's never going to get better. Um, I mean, hostility towards Christians is obviously getting worse. I mean, you can look in Afghanistan. It's not, it's not plain. It's plain as day. I mean, you could say in America, no, but you could say it across the world as a whole. Yeah, it's getting worse and worse. Uh, I mean, it was pretty bad back then, actually. No, no, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> but, but sorry, that was a side changer. But the... Uh, but should the church, just kind of homing back in, should the church be providing a solution? We're fighting to stop abortion. Yeah. 
Should we be providing, and there are ministries that do this, by the way, I'm not saying that it hasn't been done, mm-hmm. but should we be more active in providing services for women who have ended up with a pregnancy outside of wedlock? I think you should. I don't know if it's a formal matter, though. I think it's more informal. I think this is. I think this goes to the issue of discipleship, though, because I think if in the everyday life, if you had someone who was like, let's say, I would be willing to wager that there is a lot of Christians in every single neighborhood in this in this area, or across the United States. You see what I'm saying? I'm willing to wager that there are some people there. Now, here's the problem, though. When an issue like this arises where a woman is considering getting an abortion or something of that nature, or, or, or you know that that person's living with someone and they're not married, the thing is you won't say anything about it. And the thing is you won't... You, we, we, have been, we, have been, we have been told the separation of church and state. The 11th commandment, be nice. Yeah, be nice. And then also the, the 12th one, separation of church and state. So we don't say anything about it because it would make them uncomfortable. But the thing is... Abortion should make you very uncomfortable. You should not be comfortable with that decision. And I, I would say you just answered it. You answered yes. The church should be providing the solution, whether it. Be- oh yeah, no, no, yeah. The church should be providing the solution. I don't know necessarily if formal. I think you could do it formal. I just think that the more the 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 better decision is if to not the do church, it then who? Yeah, if exactly. not the church, then who? Exactly. And, and and we have to meet the church, or the church rather, excuse me, has to meet the culture where the culture's at. And you look at Christ. Christ did not. And, and you're right. The world doesn't want our solution of abstinence. But guess what? When we provide those services, those crisis pregnancy services, as the church, we have now acted like Christ. We're supposed to be little Christians, yeah. little Christs. What did Christ always start with? Yeah. Did Christ ever start with himself or did he always start with the person's need? And and also, just because the world, this is another thing, and I don't know if I made this clear or not, just because the world doesn't want our solution doesn't mean you don't offer the solution. Uh, that's not, it's actually the complete opposite of that. We want to uh, offer the solution as often as possible. You're, you, you've been in sales. How many times do you normally... The, you, you, the average person who actually picks up on a sale, it's the eighth time is the average of those who actually take the sale. They have to hear the message eight times. Do you have any, or, uh, have you heard that statistic before? I have not heard that statistic before, but I have, I, I could definitely see the sentiment in sales that it's it's the frequency of which it is offered that is the importance. But it's also... We're offering something that has life-changing potential and has eternal co- consequences, positive consequences. Exactly. And that is worth offering up as often as you can to anybody around you. Amen. And Amen. if you're not doing that, I implore you to do that. Uh, not implore you. I tell you that that is scripturally consistent and that if you're not doing it, that is scripturally inconsistent. So... Moving on to the chairs of philosophy and economics. We'll start off with economics. Church, where is your money being spent? And let me be careful how I say this, because um, building funds are great. It's wonderful to build bigger barns. Let me not be careful. Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) We shouldn't be building bigger and bigger churches if 
we have needs in our community, and if there are needs in the world, we need to be careful how much money we spend on our clubhouse. The church should never become a clubhouse. It should be a place of worship. It's it's okay to have beautiful sanctuaries. Like, dang, man, you can get a gym membership in this mug. Exactly. Oh that's, cra- that's crazy. Think about think about that real quick. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying open gym, but but you have to pay for a gym membership at a church. Think about how crazy that is, right? I, I, if, I, I agree. If it was used to proselytize, I could I could accept it. it, it exactly. Not. If it was used, so here, if you have a gym membership, if it's paying for staff who are going to staff week weekly events that are free for the local community, okay. But if it's for the, the the next building fund, oh boy, oh boy! If you're giving ten percent reliably, which which only five, and then you got and then you got to get a gym membership. On top of that. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, part of the situation. I mean, uh, membership fee. Um, so so, but but not to get too bogged down in, in in the weeds of 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 where some of this stuff gets spent. But think about this: we have women who are ripe for discipleship who are ripe to reach out and say here is the love of christ this is what this looks like let us show it to you and to your child with whom you know who you're bearing and we've won a huge victory with this heartbeat bill we've won a huge victory with this heartbeat bill and it's an incredible thing but guess what we have to do after we won a victory sit down enjoy ourselves and not do anything pretentious not now the work begins of loving these women who have these un, quote unquote unwanted pregnancies. Hey, we're amen. in a Baptist church. Watch it with the four letter words. Hey, amen. Hey, amen. <laughs> look, look what happened. Look what happened in the Old Testament, brother. That's a that's a great example right there. They were they got complacent, and guess what happened when they got complacent? They fell. They fell, and and then they got complacent with sin, and then God had to be like, "Oh, you guys are complacent with sin." Wap. Get back, get back, get back here. Um, mm-hmm. see, but see, that, that right there, that that speaks to the fact that the people were disobedient. But to me, that speaks to more about who God is, that even when you are disobedient to him, he's merciful and he's kind Amen. and he's just to forgive. And to these women that are considering these options or who have maybe gone through something like this, who have, who have actually made the decision to get an abortion, I tell you that he is just to forgive. And I, and, and I implore you to, to st- hey, he gave you this day for a reason. He gave you another day for a reason, and that was to live in obedience to him. So if you're living in disobedience, I call you to repent. I say, live in obedience to him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And just to hit the philosophy chair before we go around the room and wrap this up today, be careful the strange bedfellows you make. Congratulations, leftists. You are now literally promoting child sacrifice with the Satanist temple. And Christians, be careful. Realize that you are in a spiritual war, and although you don't see it, time is ticking. Souls are heading to an eternity that is not a pretty place. And there are, and when there is the option, there is a binary option. When this universe ends, not to get into the dynamics of heaven and hell, but when this universe ends, you will go. You will either be on the track that you're on right now, which is an eternity of suffering, or you can be cleansed by the blood and you can live with the eternal King of Heaven. 
how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them about that? To borrow from Penn and yeah, Penn. William Penn. To borrow from him, how much do you have to hate someone, an atheist, who said this? How much do you have to hate someone to not tell them? So we're in a war, and it's becoming more clear. The sides are becoming more clear. You have on one side the Satanists who actually claim this as a sacrament. Chopping up babies in the womb is a sacrament to them. It's an offer to Moloch or the offer to yourself, the, the convenience of self. Or you have the side of life, the side of self-reliant life. Pick your side and pick up the sword and move forward. And when I say the sword, guess what that is, Media Matters? That's our Bible. That is the sword of truth, the word of God that we stand on. That is what we're picking up, not the forceps and the stirrup. We have the love of God, but also the righteousness of God on our side. Going around the room, quick wrap up. I'm going to go right all the way around the room. Jennifer, chair of theology, wrap, it, wrap up today's segment. I just want to reiterate what Josh said about the call to repentance. I think that's key for the church. I think it's key for those who are not believers yet to come to Christ, accept Christ as your Savior, and to then walk in being set apart, being holy, and continually strive for that. And this is something that Josh has been really helping our group to think about over the last few weeks, but we take sin very casually in American churches, and we should not. Certain it, sins, sin, the cast of sins, as Winston yes. would say, if you're in the certain cast, that includes divorce, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's you joke about it from behind the pulpit. It's almost like it's a joke. It's yeah. not. It's not. It's like, it's, oh, I just had a few couple cheeseburgers the other day or something. You know, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's too casual for for my liking. Even yes. even gluttony is a sin. I tell people I'm more likely to sin. I, I with wine, I have never been drunk. I tell people I'm more likely to sin with a cheesecake in the room than a glass of wine, <laughs> because I have never sinned with a glass of wine. Oh my gosh, I have sinned with cake, candy, and junk. But, and, and I just want to read that passage from James. This is from James chapter 4, verse 9, where he's talking to uh, Jewish believers specifically, but believers about their sin. And he says in verse 9, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. We've, we, have, we have to be more serious. We have to take sin in seriously. All not just abortion, everything. And we have to know that the mourn and the weep is specifically for restoration. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the chair of politics, give us your wrap-up. Yeah, I just want to say also to the women, when I, whenever I call you to repent, that's also a call to myself. That's also, yes. that's also the fact of the matter. I, I understand that I'm, it, when I say it, I'm not better than you. I, I, I promise you, I'm not better than you. I, I've, I've done some yeah. pretty horrible things. Yeah, yeah. Gang <laughs> I've done some some pretty dumb and bad things. But the thing is about our sin is that it's 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 horrible, it's ugly, but man, the Lord is so much more beautiful than our sin. He's infinitely more beautiful than our sin, and he has made you in his image and he's called you to a life of obedience. And and considering his how much more loving he is than the world. 
like infinitely more loving than he is in the world, that is coarse enough for you to say, I need to stop living like this and I need to live like this. And there and, is and, and, true joy in obedience to the Lord. Just to, just to, amen and amen, just to accentuate, uh, I'm having another aneurysm here, just to accentuate Josh's point, when you repent, repent, say, God, I did wrong, uh, I'm, uh, forgive me, but then focus not on your sin, focus on God's holiness and God's goodness, and that should be what's on your mind, not the sin that you did. Don't look at yourself, look at Christ. After you repent, look at Christ and focus on him. Don't, don't dwell on the past, move forward. Into his holiness. And I think I would say don't dwell on the past, but also take a lesson from what you did. Yes. Take, take a, use, the, use what you did as a learning experience. Actually deal with the sin. Actually come face to face with your sin and say, okay, why did, this, why did I sin like this? What did I do? And then I tell you, take, go 10 times harder and countering that sin. Amen. And do as much as possible you can to stay. Amen away. and amen. Chair of politics, wrap us up real quick on the poli on the p political issue of heartbeat bill. Um, great bill. I remember when we were talking about this. I think Lubbock, Texas, was a was one of those cities. First was, sanctuary city. First sanctuary city for the unborn. They were pioneering that. That was one of the first episodes we I did. Th I think that was episode one, actually. I think yeah, I think that was episode one, and now we're all the way here. Episode and, 16, we're making progress. And we're at Keep episode, the fight up. Yep, we're at episode 16, and this issue is still relevant. And as far as the heartbeat bill, I say it's not a matter of politics. This is a matter of, and first off, six weeks, that's absurd. I still think that's absurd. It uh, is absurd. That, that's a baby in the womb. I'm sorry. Just no. Correct. That, uh, Correct. Stop. That, I don't care. Six weeks is too much. I don't like the... We'll get into this when we do a full breakdown on on abortion laws. We need to do several episodes on abortions to me, specifically. Do you want me to tell you what that is to me? To me, that is you can have a slave only if yeah, that, you that's, can murder only if. Well, that's like a half concept. That's a half measure. That's not a full. To me, that is just saying you know what we can't appease everybody. So you know what we'll concede on this. But no, hey, if that's a baby and you know that's a baby and you're gonna tell me that at six weeks that. Oh, you know, we got to do this because they can't agree. The world won't agree to us if we if we say that it's a baby in the womb. Who cares? Push for it. <laughs> and, and 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 I agree. The thing is, is we have multiple simultaneous bills running and there was a outright ban and there was this. This got passed. Hmm. We needed to demand more from our Congress folk and senators yeah, in the is, Texas state. This is the start. This is the beginning of the fight. This is the beginning of the we fight. We continue pushing forward. It is a half measure. I agree. And by the way, light up your senator and congressperson's phone line and say, why didn't we have a full ban? Thank you for this. Why didn't we have a full ban? I wouldn't even say thank you. I think that's, that's a straight up, that is lukewarm water. It is lukewarm. But let's get into that when we get in deep on there. Moving on to the chair of culture. Wrap us up. Wow. Um, this is whack. Uh, True. It's There are too many words, not enough time. If I went through all the wrongs, I wouldn't have... Or It's faster to go through the rights than the wrongs. Um, at least there is some measure there. Uh, it's not the measure that we need. It's not the measure that's prescribed. 
but there is some measure there as we pray further every day. Nice roll in. Okay, day. we'll go to the philosophy and economics. Where's your money going? What are you focusing on? Are you storing treasure in heaven? Remember, treasure is souls one. How many kids are not in are are, are not in this world because we done messed up with our priorities? Make sure you're giving to places like preborn. Make sure that your church is focusing on crisis pregnancy. See, make sure that you're not giving only three percent your minimum for your five hundred one c three church uh, state run church. You know, allotment. You have to give it at least three percent. A lot of churches only give three percent, and the rest is spent on themselves. So just be aware of that, and try to make sure that you're that you are spending your money well, spending your time, and your your economics is also your time. Philosophy. Guys, you are on a battlefield, and it is a spiritual, philosophical, theological war. And at the end of the day, everyone has to take a knee before Christ. Some will say, I'm doing this because you are God, but I hate you. And some will do this because they say, you are God, and I love you. We want to win as many of those people as possible. So... With that said, I would like to dedicate this episode to Mike Henry, uh, a good friend of ours. Uh, he just passed away from COVID. We are down two people who are out there at the funeral. A uh, really good man, and I'm sure he would have loved to been in this conversation today. Uh, we are mourning, so pray for the family. Thank you so much for subscribing. Those five-star likes, those reviews, I'm going to assume that you are putting those down there. We are getting a lot of great reviews on iTunes. Look, if you put a review, a five-star rating, put a review too, those help us immeasurably. I can't tell you how helpful that is. We want to get this podcast further and further out. If you find this to be a helpful research tool, please share it. With that said, as always, if you think that we missed a good argument or conversation, put that down there in the comment section down below and let us know from which chair you're arguing. If you hated it, do the same. Uh, and again, as always, if you did not like this podcast, make sure you subscribe and hit that dislike button twice. With that said, thank you so much. You guys have a wonderful, blessed week. Thank you, good Bye -bye. sir.